welcome to 88 Days of Shaped by the Word. I'm mm-hmm. Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. And we continue through the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Paul has gone to Jerusalem and helped to build a bridge. He's taken a huge offering from the Gentiles in order to relieve suffering in Jerusalem. He has embraced four people who have taken the Nazarite vow. It's paid for the the price of their purification and is going into the temple even to offer the final sacrifice or the final offering uh, in order to uh, endear himself you know, to the Jewish people. And, of course, he has been mobbed. And no matter how much he speaks, no matter how much he relates to the law, they realize that there is one thing that separates them, and that's the heart that Paul has for the Gentiles. Uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So while they might hear of a resurrection or they might hear, you know, of a vision, you know, that someone had on the side of the road and deeply respect that as part of their heritage, they cannot quite grasp what the gospel had promised all along, uh, that uh, God's purpose in blessing Israel was so that they might bless the nations. And uh, so we find Paul in prison for a a long stretch, but even his imprisonment uh, will take him uh, to the city of Rome where he will testify. And every one of his defenses are not a, a defense, of, a personal defense of, of who he is. Mm-hmm. They're a deep defense of, of the gospel. So we find Paul in Jerusalem after he's been arrested, pulled out of a crowd that was willing to kill him by the Romans. Uh, we find him giving his first defense of the gospel, and he does that with the Sanhedrin or the Jewish council mm-hmm. in uh, Acts chapter 23. Before we read the passage, uh, let's do as we we always do. Let's offer this moment, offer ourselves to the Lord, for Him to work in and through His Word to complete His work in us. Would you start at the moment, receive Christ Jesus the Lord, and we'll carry it on to completion. And, of course, we heard Paul say, you know, to the Ephesian elders, I commit you to God in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who have been made holy. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the word, the work you do in us through your word by your spirit. May you do that today uh, as we read and meditate on your word. Uh, May we walk in obedience to you and may by your spirit you form Christ in us. Thank you for the good gifts that you've given us. Thank you that you've not left us without a vision of who you are in your heart. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. May you use these good gifts for your glory, for our joy. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 23, verse 1. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit here to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others were Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection, there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all of these things. 
there was great uproar. Some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. Following night, the Lord appeared and stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 50 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priest and the elders and said, We've taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we've killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about the case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and he told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said to Paul, The prisoner has sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked him, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They've taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone what you have reported to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, get ready a attachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man is seized by the Jews, and they're about to kill him. I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learned that he was a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day they left the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived at Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Interesting uh, beginning to a series of trials and to a long, long journey that will take Paul all the way uh, to Rome. Uh, we hear his case, first of all, you know, with the Sanhedrin. And, of course, Paul cleverly uh, takes advantage of divisions in yeah. the Sanhedrin. The Sadducees were, were kind of the liberals of the day. They didn't really believe in spirits or angels or uh, the resurrection of the dead or the supernatural of any kind. Uh, they had made alliances with Rome, as you might have imagined. Mm -hmm. You know, their, their investiture was in this life and in the things of this world. And so they were making the best they could of, you know, the situation they had. Obviously, they would like, you know, a Messiah to come and to liberate them and to restore power, you know, to Jerusalem and to the Jewish leaders. 
uh, but they really do not have a, a kind of a spiritual mindset, you know, at all. The Pharisees, on the other hand, you know, did believe in, in angels in, in, a, in a big way and in, you know, spirits. And, and of course, more than anything else, that their hope was in the resurrection of the dead, which they had in common with Paul, who mm-hmm. is a Pharisee, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. So what are some other things that stand out in this passage? I was kind of curious to get your take on it, Paul. I was reading earlier, and, you know, there is kind of this moment where, you know, obviously Peter, Paul gets struck in, in the mouth, and he says, you know, God will strike you back, you whitewashed wall. And then he also realizes later he didn't know he was speaking to the high priest. And so I guess some people have maybe thought maybe his eyesight was going out, or maybe there's some sort of kind of informal gathering to some extent. I was just kind of curious what exactly might be going on with kind of Paul's unawareness of who he was standing in front of. Uh, it may have been, you know, it may have been that he was uh, um, been away so long that he didn't mm-hmm. recognize the high priest. Uh, we also know that Ananias, even when he was deposed from high priest, he still kept the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caiaphas, you know, his son-in-law was, you know, in, in some cases the high priest. But to other people, you know, just kind of think Paul's being a little bit cute here. He yeah. knew exactly who he was talking to. Mm-hmm. And when they say, how dare you talk to the high priest in that manner, uh, he was saying, well, he's not really acting like a high priest mm-hmm. you know, because he has commanded me against the law and to be struck in the mouth. And, of course, the, uh, 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 the charge he makes against him is a charge you know, that Ezekiel made of the prophets of his day. You build a flimsy wall and then you paint over it you know, with, with whitewash in order to have an impressive appearance, but really it's deeply mm-hmm. you know, crumbling. So he's announcing, uh, pronouncing on him the same condemnation that Ezekiel you know, announced on the spiritual leaders of his day. You know, building walls that have no oh, substance yeah. and just yeah. kind of covering them over, you know, with a facade. And of course, Jesus, you know, got close to that too when he yeah. was talking White about, you know, tombs. whitewashed tombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you look really pretty, you know, on the outside, but inside there's nothing but deadness. Mm-hmm. And of course, in, in the Jewish culture, that's uncleanness. You know, which is which is a part of it. So maybe it was eyesight. Maybe yeah, who knows? Maybe he. I like yours. He That's didn't good. realize, you know, what was going on, or maybe he's saying, "Really, you're calling yourself a high priest, and mm-hmm. look at the way you're behaving." And then he's moment. able to even say at the start, you know, my brothers, right. I fulfilled my duty to God in good conscience to this day, which kind of stands in contrast to that hypocrisy of the nice exterior, bad interior right. of the heart. In, in the yeah. sense of du- you know, duty here is you know sense of citizenship and, and what he's really saying I, I have been a loyal Jew I've fulfilled what it means to be loyal to my people to this day and of course that's where they have their big disagreement no you're mm-hmm. speaking against this place and against this people and against our law mm-hmm. and uh, so without even hearing him out you know they, they slap him in the face and then I mean verse 11 is really cool just thinking of everything Paul's gone through, right? You know, obviously mm-hmm. Jesus told him at the kind of start of his ministry all the things he would suffer for his name. Uh, but then after, you know, I guess narrowly being beat to death, um, getting traveling and going before all these people, and now there is the Lord standing near to Paul, telling him to take courage and that he would be with him, as he always has been with him yeah. and always is with us, even in our difficulties. But just a, a beautiful scene there of Christ's care and concern yeah. for Paul. Mm-hmm. And Matt kind of got ahead of us a little bit yesterday. He kind of pointed, you know, to this. Mm-hmm. That it may have been a moment, you know, that Paul was, you know, experiencing, you know, deep, you know, 
dejection Mm -hmm. Uh, you know feeling like uh, you know that this is even worse than all the prophecies that have been told about him Mm -hmm. you know actually were and uh, that this didn't look good at all but the Lord meets with him he encourages him and the encouragement is you're going to testify at Rome and uh, that had been Paul's lifelong goal, you know, to make it all the way, yeah. you know, to yeah. Rome. He is not going to go the way that he envisioned going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not going to board a ship and sail to Italy and then make the walk from three taverns all the way up, you know, to the city of Rome. He is going to be imprisoned for a couple of years and just forgotten, you know, in Caesarea. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be a long voyage and shipwreck, you know, mm-hmm. along the way. And he will walk into the city of Rome in chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the final word of uh, the book of Acts is the gospel is not in yeah. change. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. But I mean, there was a confirmation too. Yes, Christ was with him in this and to take courage. But maybe he thought at times, am I ever going to even make it out of this area? But yet, you know, he does. I think Jesus is telling him, no, you will, you know, make it to Rome at least. And I think that that may have been needed too, just to think he's going to survive and. Yeah, didn't realize he'd be going in in chains, but at least making it to Rome. So, yeah, because all these plots that's keep all he jumping needed. up. You know, that's all him. he needed. Yeah. And it was uh, confirmation, yes, you will. Yeah. Uh, yes, you will go to Rome. And then obviously the, the plot to kill Paul. I wonder if those guys ever got some food or drink after all this, you know? <laughs> know. My, my guess they is they're, all died. they're still very hungry. Even to this day. But how cool that, you know, Paul's nephew, right? Of all yeah, things, he's just he's there, uh-huh. and God providentially uses him I know. to mm-hmm. deter these plans and to continue moving him towards Rome. And so, mm-hmm. I just love getting to see how God's at work, and mm-hmm. obviously, that was God's plan. And there's nothing that's going to go against that. And, and we want to know so much more. Yeah. I did. Paul, Paul's sister, sister? What? Yeah. Yes. yeah, Paul's yeah. sister's no, son. Just, what? Luke how doesn't is, give us anything. Is, you know, how is he involved in this? Yeah. How is he close enough? How do you get into the you guards know, plot, and you know, to yeah. hear it? He's a young man, and, but they're still uh, listening to him. There's yeah. all sorts of little yeah. no, that, really things that Luke never tells us. It is a a crazy intervention. You know, evidently, you know, Paul's family or his sister mm-hmm. or her husband were had high standing among the Jewish council and yeah. so son was privileged to be a part of the Jewish council and to hear part of this and to hear this plot and to hear what is going on it, it's, it's amazing and then and then the story's over we know nothing nothing know. more yeah. about them yeah. you know, the, and these guys are making the to. plot in front of his nephew of you know <laughs> yeah. potentially they're just strange I know that's good and you have to love, you know, the Roman commander who writes the letter, and the letter is, um, I rescued him because he was a Roman citizen. Yeah. Well, not quite, not quite. Mm-hmm. You were about to beat him, and then you found out it was a Roman citizen, but yeah. we'll not talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, to this. So it's kind of a smart fun, move. <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of a fun, fun text with a lot of, you know, subplots, but uh, bolstered by the promise that you will. And, and that's what he was told from the very beginning. You will testify me. You know, testify, pour me to Gentiles and their kings. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're going to see trials with two governors, one Jewish king, and, of course, finally, he's going to testify before Caesar himself. Mm-hmm. And so God is sovereignly fulfilling his call in Paul's life through the strangest of circumstances. But Paul all too gladly embraces his circumstance for the cause of Christ. Yeah, he does. Father, thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness. Um, 
Thank you for your providence that we can see in Paul's life how you work in what we would call unfortunate circumstances and circumstances that we would run from, but he deeply embraced because he saw your hand at work in them. May we see your hand at work in our life today. It's in your holy name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. 